Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Wouldn't it be great if you could improve your connection with your partner and bring your sex life to an erupting volcanic level? Well, joining us next is Susan Bratton, intimacy expert to millions. She's going to share tips on how you can biohack your love life and attain more passion and deeper intimacy. If you long for a more satisfying, longer-lasting, and euphoric experience in bed, this is the interview you've been waiting for. Don't go anywhere. It all starts. Now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is known as the intimacy expert to millions. She's considered the go-to for anyone desiring more intimacy and passion in their life. She's the author of the number one international bestseller, Sexual Soulmates, The Six Essentials for Connected Sex. She's been featured in the New York Times and on CNBC and the Today Show, ABC and Fox, just to name a few. She's the official spokeswoman for the anti-aging group, Gaines Wave and Femi Wave. In addition, she's the CEO of Personal Life Media, Inc., a publisher of heart-connected lovemaking techniques and bedroom communication skills, and the 20 LLC, a manufacturer of organic and botanical supplements that enhance vitality. Welcome to the show, Susan Bratton. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Friedman. I love that you want to talk about sexual biohacking, but I also think a lot of people are like, what is sexual biohacking? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, What is it? (laughs) That was my first question. (laughs) Beat you to the punch on that one. (laughs) You know how we think about longevity as extending our health span? So it's great to be old, but not if you're sick. And so now all our anti-aging and longevity things that we're doing are how to have a healthy long life. Well, just take that to the next level in your intimate life and think about having a longer sex span. So a lot of people, when they're younger, they think that, oh my gosh, men peak at 18 and women peak at 30, which is hogwash. By the time I'm 40 or 50, it's going to be over, so I better do it all now. And in actual fact, it's just the opposite. We mature sexually as we age. Like everything else in our lives, we get more experience and therefore more confidence, more understanding of who we are and what we want. So our sexuality and our intimate connection to others, of course, it fuels our longevity. But as we age, some things need to be taken care of. So that we have good genital systems that work very well so that we can enjoy the intimate pleasure for the rest of our lives. And so I actually make a distinction between sexual biohacking and sexual regenerative therapies and treatments. As you age, things go south. For men, of course, there's erectile dysfunction, delayed ejaculation. For women, most often they talk about incontinence issues. Men have them, of course, nighttime urination as well. Loss of lubrication, painful sex, also inability to achieve a satisfying climax or difficulty getting there the older we get. And yet all of those things, like pretty much everything, when you understand the simple things you can do to keep your genital systems in good working order as you age to reverse the atrophy of aging, that's really the regenerative part of it. That's the gains wave, the femi waves, the vacuum erection devices, the red light therapy, the PRP, 
nitric oxide supplementation. These are the different tools and technologies and treatments, and I can go into detail on any of them, that reverse the aging. And then if you want to take yourself to the next level, such as things like male enhancement, not just getting back to where you were, but even going further, that's really the domain of biohacking. That's taking what you have to the next level, where regenerative is getting back to where you were or maintaining so you don't age, so you have the most youthful sexual components in your body. So the M word doesn't have to stifle a sex life. And I'm not referring to the word marriage. I'm talking about the dreaded menopause. And for many female listeners going through the change of life, it can cause a total loss of libido. What can they do? Well, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of women think, oh my gosh, it's my hormones. And honestly, men are finding the same issues. There's menopause as well, which is technically called, as you know, andropause. We certainly do have a diminishment of our hormones in our body, but when women go through menopause, it's the estrogen that's no longer being produced by their ovaries, and estrogen is not the hormone of desire. Testosterone is. Men and women equally, if they don't have a good gut, I mean, what doesn't start in the gut these days, right? It's all about keeping your microbiome, your gut biome, and also for women, the vaginal microbiome, for men, the prostate microbiome. These are all individual biomes as we're finding now. If we don't keep that in good working order, we're not producing not only the hormones, but the neurotransmitters that also support satisfying intimacy. So we're not making the dopamine, the serotonin, the oxytocin production that are so important. So as we age, that's one part of it. But the other kind of unknown thing that's so interesting is the diminishment of nitric oxide production. Have you been hearing about that lately? Quite a bit. Yes, actually. Yeah, they did a whole show on nitric oxide. So yeah, that's a good point. But is it females as well? I know that it helps increase erections. Does it benefit females? Absolutely. You probably did it with Nathan Bryan, who's a good friend of mine. He's really the person who spends the most time talking about nitric oxide in the world. It's a longevity intervention, replacing nitric oxide production. And women have the same amount of erectile tissue as men do. We just have innies and not outies. I mean, I always say to people, imagine a banana. So you've got a banana. That's pretty easy to think about that as a penis. Well, in the male body, the penis, about 50% of it sticks out of the abdomen, but 50% goes inside and down toward the testicles. And all of that banana fruit is erectile tissue. Men have three big spongy chambers in their penis and the blood flows in and that helps them get an erection. But women have the same parts arranged in different order. So we have that same amount of fruit, only it's kind of more like donut shaped with a little peak at the top. And that's what's around our vaginal area inside our vulva. So I feel like female ED, if you will, is kind of the misunderstood part of what it is that women struggle with with regard to libido. And nitric oxide is that you can't actually take nitric oxide. You could breathe it in. It's a gas. It's actually a gas. Your body by the time you're 50, has half the nitric oxide you did when you were 20. And that's if everything is held the same. But the problem is that 
age-related decline in nitric oxide production contributes not just to erectile dysfunction, but also to cardiovascular and chronic disease risk. When you want to sufficiently restore nitric oxide levels, what you're actually doing, the place that our body gets it from is eating things like leafy green vegetables, beetroot, dill, cabbage, arugula, etc. all those things. The only problem is that we further diminish our nitric oxide production, which is what our body uses to move the blood around from our brain when we're thinking, to our heart when we're working out, and our muscles when we're working out, to our pelvic bowl when we're making love. The problem is that we also further destroy that nitric oxide production system by using antibacterial mouthwash, using fluoride toothpaste, taking anti-acids or acid blockers or proton pump inhibitors, because it's a triple system that actually is required to create nitric oxide. So often people who think, oh boy, I just have no lubrication, I have no erectile function, they start taking a nitric oxide supplement and all of a sudden they're like, oh wow, it wasn't as bad as I thought, this is great. That's great, yeah. We had uh, Suzanne Summers on the show and she shared how at 76 she still has sex every day, sometimes three times a day, and I told her I think they made a mistake by not casting her as Wonder Woman. Uh. (laughs) She gives credit to bioidentical hormones. Are they really the magic potion increasing a woman's hip motion after retirement? Well, bioidentical hormone replacement is typically in women, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. It definitely keeps the vaginal mucosal lining more plump. But the thing is that the vagina itself is not a lubricating gland. It's actually a muscle, an amazing stretchy muscle. It gets baby heads through there, you know. I think a big part of bioidentical hormone replacement is keeping that tissue elastic, but actually the blood flowing to the pelvic bowl that seeps through the vaginal mucosal lining to create the lubrication is another big piece of it. So estrogen keeps the tissue plump, but nitric oxide creates the moisture. That makes sense. You mentioned a few uh, foods. I'm sure listeners took some notes on there when it comes to a healthy sex life. But what foods can hinder a healthy sex life? Is there any foods that we should watch out for and get off of our plate? Yeah, of course. Seed oils are the worst. Fried foods and basically restaurant foods and convenience foods are all going to create atherosclerosis, which is the plaque that gets into your blood, into your vascular system that then gets calcified and makes the smooth muscle tissue no longer able to squeeze the blood into the pelvic bowl. That's where things like the Gaines wave and the Femi wave, the Gaines wave for him, the Femi wave for her, knock that plaque off of the genital system blood supply and stimulate new tissue growth. Then you can add PRP, platelet-rich plasma. This comes from your own body. The thing that I really like, Dr. Friedman, are not things that are what I would call exogenous, things that are from outside you, but things that you can do yourself to grow some new body. (laughs) I really love regenerative things. As a matter of fact, I'm really getting into exosomes and things like that now. Whether it's PRP, exosomes, or stem cells, these are new areas of regenerative medicine that can actually help you restore tissue in your body by injecting things directly into the places where you've had loss. So, for example, I was skiing in Big Sky, Montana 10 days ago. Darn if I didn't fall down and my ski didn't pop off and I wrenched my MCL, the inside ligament on my knee 
well, what am I doing? I'm going in for exosome therapy. I'm going to have exosomes, which are part of stem cells. They're the signaling molecule of a stem cell that tells your body, oh, there's damage here. Bring some healing and growth factors and repair this thing. It accelerates tissue remediation. And that's what all this stuff is, whether I'm talking about Gaines Wave and Femi Wave, whether I'm talking about PRP, exosomes, replacing and resupplementing with nitric oxide, eating your leafy greens. What that's doing is letting your body rebuild itself so that you can have that sex fan. Right. We talked about, you know, as you get older, libido diminishes, but I want to get your take on this. I've been reading studies about the complete opposite. There was a uh, article in the Archives of Sexual Behavior that says that people under 30 are having less sex. They're not interested anymore, which shocks me because when I was in my 20s, that's all I thought about was sex. Why do you think that is? Could it be because computer, video games, social media is replacing intimacy? What is missing? Romance? Why are people in their 20s not horny? I think it's a couple of things. First of all, remember, we've been through a few years of a pandemic when people didn't get out and about. The second thing is that I actually think there's a fairly strong hookup culture. And I'm always worried about the transmission of STIs in especially our youth and in quite older people now, too. Older people are having a lot of STIs. But why aren't they? I think it's probably stress, number one. Number two, I think it's the terrible food that kids eat. I think they've been raised on sugar and they've got so much attention deficit issues and stress of living in a modern lifestyle that things are so fast and they get left behind. I think that's part of it. And part of it is also the, you know, Tinder swiping issue of not good enough. I'll find the next one. When you have a small pool to choose from, you take your time and you choose wisely. When you have a large pool, you keep looking. So I think those are some of the reasons. But food, I think, is number one. I think nutrition is an issue with our children. Yeah. I saw a young couple out at a date at a restaurant and they both stay glued to their smartphones the entire time and they might as well have been eating alone. So maybe these cell phones are creating less romantic. I mean, in the old days, I remember staring into the eyes of the person across and interested and now everybody's glued to their swiping, whatever it is, you know, the TikTok, the fast pace. It's an addiction, isn't it? Yes, it is. They're addicted to sugar and they're addicted to technology and they've lost the ability. Another thing that I think is interesting, I am not a religious person, but I do think that in the olden days, we had more community. And a lot of that was church-related, but not all of it. But a lot of it was, and you know, less and less and less people now are going to church. So there's not community. And I think that hurts too. It's obviously a lot of confounding factors all rolled into one that are keeping kids from having the, by ki- I mean, I'm in my 60s, so I think kids are 20 <laughs> in their 20s. <laughs> I'm not talking about children. I'm talking about young people. <laughs> That's so true. Let's talk about ED. You know, there's been a rise in this condition. Actually, I should say a lack of rise. And other than, you know, going the prescription route, is there anything natural that men should reach for? If you can judge the effectiveness of an aphrodisiac by its name, I, I think then horny go 
goat weed wins by a landslide. <laughs> Anything out there in the, in the herbal world that you recommend? Well, the very first thing that I recommend is replacing your nitric oxide supplementation. And in men over 40, in people over 40, but they only studied men, but remember, we all have the same parts and the same amount of erectile tissue. So we're all, we all have erectile dysfunction when we get over 40 or 50. We just may not be aware of how much it's impacting us. But citrulline-based supplementation is the best, better than arginine for older adults. The second thing is, yes, there are libido botanicals that have been studied, and there's both what I would call traditional indigenous wisdom, because people throughout the ages have always wanted to feel, quote-unquote, hornier, because that's a part of, you know, your your lust, your desire is a part of your, your passion for life, your lust for life. Your libido and your health are two sides of the same coin. When you don't feel well, you don't have a good libido. So again, going back to the gut, fixing your gut, making sure you're replacing your nitric oxide, replacing and topping up your testosterone, getting your testosterone checked and doing testosterone replacement therapy, eating your leafy greens and your beetroot. And then as far as botanicals, the botanicals that have been, that have human clinical data as well, there are five of them. The first one is tribulus terrestris. The second is tongkatali. The third one is fenugreek. The fourth one is maca root. And the fifth one is cacao or chocolate, dark chocolate. So you have Susan Bratton's permission to eat dark chocolate every day. And cycling through things like tonkareli, tribulus, fenugreek, et cetera, are very good. Maca. When you use herbal remedies for libido support, they take about 10 days to come on when you take an effective dose. And then they last for about 30 days, but then they start to wane. So I recommend what's called herb cycling through those libido botanicals. Throw a little bit in your smoothie every day and just do one for one month, the next one for the next month, the next one for the next month, start over again. I love that advice because I've noticed the same with probiotics. It's good. I do every 90 days. I, re- I do the recycle. I go with a different strain because I've noticed that your body, your body needs variety. So that's very interesting because I've had so many people that, you know, really worked and then it stopped working. And as you say, maybe they should just take a break from that, try something else, and then it'll work again when they go back the second or third month. So that's great advice. One thing you mentioned that no one's talked about, I've been on the show for just two, three decades now, is we talk about the gut being healthy. And you mentioned briefly that the gut microbiome has to do with our sexual function. So I want to elaborate a little bit more on that. What are some tips people can do to get a healthier gut for sexual function? Well, sugar, white flour, alcohol, and fried food are the four most like the worst things you can put inside your body as far as your gut microbiome, because number one, they fuel the bad bacteria. So then you get dysbiosis, you get small intestinal, fungal, and bacterial overgrowth, SIBO and SIFO. And I'm sure you've had Dr. William Davis on. Have you had him on? Three times. Yeah, three times. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just, he's the best, isn't he? So one of the things that I also do is I make my morning smoothie. And of course, at my age, I'm taking a lot of collagen and protein powders because I work out every day and, you know, your soft tissues are the very first thing that go as you age. So if you want to keep your muscles strong, you really have to watch your soft tissues. So in my morning smoothies, I also put my homemade yogurt, the yogurt that I learned from Bill. 
from Dr. Davis. I use different probiotics. Currently, I'm using Lactobillus gasseri and Lactobillus coagulans. But I started out with Lactobillus ruteri because he talked about how good that was for not only mood, but also producing oxytocin, which is so important. It actually makes you less annoyed with people, as well as making you closer to the people who are close to you. Quite interesting. So not using store-bought yogurt or all these dairies, which are basically don't have much, much probiotic in them, mostly just sugar from dairy. I think that's really important too. So probiotics, eating leafy greens, eating organic, trying to keep the GMOs down, eating healthy fats, not crappy fats, fiber. You've got to have your fiber and water with electrolytes in it. All of those, I always say that if when you poo in the morning and you poo every day, if you don't regularly poo and the poo doesn't just swirl out of your butt like a ballerina, you need to work on your gut. I mean, that's the very first indication is, you know, you've got to have the elegant, easy, effortless dancing poos in the toilet. And then otherwise, you're not going to be making the hormones and the neurotransmitters and all of the other things, your immune system, et cetera, that you need for this sex span that we've been talking about. So if they're on the toilet, they're in the Lamaze breathing, holding their knees to their chest, yeah. trying to get out of dump. Bad news, right? Not a healthy gut. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Everything starts with the gut. Yeah. You, you mentioned Nix, the uh, the alcohol and the white flour. So what about these people going you know, on a date, eating, uh, drinking beer and pizza? I guess that's a no-no. That's the two big no-nos with the white flour and the alcohol. So that would be, you want something a little bit more... More romantic, but you mentioned, like you said, watch out for restaurants because you're so right. You don't know what you're getting when you go out to these places. If you can make a homemade healthy pizza, maybe whole wheat a little bit better than going out there as well. Let me ask you this. Talk about this for people that are stuck in a sexual rut. Are there any tips that you can share to get them out of their redundant ritual and add maybe a spice of life excitement? Are you an advocate of couples watching adult movies together? I'm honestly not an advocate of adult movies. And the reason that I'm not is that I think that it's primarily an industry that preys on men. Most of the things that are depicted on there are not really what my brand stands for. You know, I've been writing passionate lovemaking techniques for going on two decades now. This is my second career because I almost lost my marriage due to the fact that I wasn't satisfied with our lovemaking. My husband was enjoying it, but I wasn't having satisfaction from it. And I didn't want to do it after a while. And so for a lot of couples, he's having a little bit more satisfaction than she is. And I like to close that gap. I like to help couples both have equal satisfaction from their lovemaking. But once they get that, which by the way, they're just learned skills. Once they get to that point and they've got good communication in the bedroom, those are two things, techniques and communication. And then, of course, the third leg of that stool, that stable triangle, is good sexual function, right? You have to have all three of those things. You have to be able to know what you're doing, ask for what you want, and have your equipment work. But above that, at a higher level, what people have come to rely on me for is what I would call erotic playdate ideas. I always say that the couples that play together stay together, especially in the bedroom. What I've found that people want from me are fun things to do that that can spice up their sex life. So just recently, I put together something free that I'll give your listeners. It's at sexlifebucketlist.com, sexlifebucketlist. And whether you're single or you're in a relationship, 
you can keep incrementing your knowledge because our sexuality is a learned skill. These are all skills you learn. No one teaches them to us. Our parents didn't teach them to us. We don't learn them in school. It's really you on your own learning these skills as you mature. And once you learn all these fun things to do, you can keep learning together or you can keep learning solo. And I put together 48 erotic playdate ideas with the idea that when you go to sexlifebucketlist.com, you download a PDF. I don't collect your personal data about this. And I give you a video that's your first erotic playdate. Let's just say you're a married couple because you did ask about how to keep it spicy. You sit down and this is your first play date. You watch this video together on your laptop or in your bedroom or what have you. You each have your little printout with your eight pages of fun, erotic play date ideas. I walk you through what each one of them is and you mark each one A, B, or C. A is, oh, this is definitely going on my sex life bucket list. B is, it wouldn't be on my list, but if it was on my partners, I would do it with them. And C is, it's not for me right now. Never say never. Because as you mature, you want to do different things. You want to try new experiences. So then you end up with, end up with your A-list. If you're solo, you've got your A-list and you can start working on those things yourself. Your B-list, you don't worry about that right now. You merge your A-list with your partner and then you set up these erotic play dates. They're not dates to quote unquote have sex. That's too serious. It's like, I'm not ready. I'm not in the mood. I don't know. But you set up an erotic play date at maybe it's a lingerie photo shoot, or maybe it's trying a new toy, or maybe it is a new position or a new location or something like that. Once you have kind of this list that you both agree would be fun things to do, then you're not thinking to yourself, okay, when are we going to do the dirty deed? You know, you're, you're like, I can't wait till Thursday when we try that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the answer. The answer is when you learn together, you create new relationship energy, just like teenagers, and you feel like teenagers again. Fantastic. Great information. Time just flew by. I want to thank you for being intimate with us today. It was uh, a lot of fun. We learned a lot. Hopefully listeners took some notes. And for more information, visit SusanBratton.com and be sure and check out the plethora of resources she has available, including books, supplements, and other things to biohack your sex life and programs and articles that'll put more yin in your yang and more zig in your zag. You can also <laughs> check out her uh, video library from the uh, Susan Bratton show at betterlove.com. And you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Susan Bratton. On Facebook, she's at Trusted Hot Sex Advisor to Millions. Boy, that says it all right there. And for my daily Facebook and Twitter health posts, follow me at Dr. David Friedman on Instagram. I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com. And while there, be sure, check out our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, co-workers, and on social media. I always say sharing is caring. This information is too important. Don't keep it to yourself. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay well and stay tuned.